Attention! This makes absolutely no sense. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Sanders Facts. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the latest edition of the Xander's Facts podcast. I am, of course, the aforementioned Xander. It is Wednesday, May 3rd. We are in the fifth month of 2023. It is episode 103 of the podcast. How about that, y'all? Thank you all so much for listening. We've got a ton of facts to get to on this podcast because he is back. Our Xander's Facts senior NBA analyst, Hillbilly, is back on the podcast this week. He was on a few weeks ago. He decided to make a very poor decision in his championship pick. Terrible. So he has come back to redeem himself on the podcast, but also to recap everything we saw in the first round of the NBA playoffs. If you haven't been watching the NBA playoffs, you need to. There's drama. There's great basketball. Everything you could want. It is all good stuff. You should be watching. We're going to recap that, and we're going to talk about the conference semifinals the next round which is just starting in these last few days. So we're going to talk about that with Hillbilly in just a second here on the podcast. But before we do, I just wanted to remind you all that if you like the Xander's Facts podcast, if you think you're going to like all the facts on this week's edition, remember to follow this podcast, download this episode, episode 103, rate and review the podcast, then check us out on all the social medias, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, at Xander's Facts. That is Xander with a Z. And most importantly, remember to tell all your friends, we like to call it around here, spread the facts, Xander's Facts Podcast. Tell all your friends about the podcast, about the newsletter, Xander's Weekend Facts, which is a recap of the week's top headlines every Sunday morning. I write it out. It's awesome. It's free. You can sign up. It's a Substack in this episode's description. Also, check out the Xander's Facts link tree because that has all the Xander's Facts links that you need for the podcast, for the socials, for the newsletter, all the Xander's Facts links that you need. Maybe too many facts. There's never too many facts. All the facts you need, the right amount of facts are on the Xander's Facts link tree, which is also linked in this episode's description. So we're going to get to Hillbilly in just a second, but it is episode 103 of the podcast. I just thought I would note that I was planning to have more facts than just NBA facts on the podcast this week. I was planning a big topic. The issue is, of course, it's the beginning of May. It's, y'all, it's a busy time. It's my last week of classes. I've got so much stuff going on. So for this week, we're just going to kind of roll through, talk about some basketball. We all love talking about basketball. But there's a couple of things I wanted to talk about. And because we're at the beginning of the month, I thought that I would just kind of lay out what we're going to talk about this month on the podcast because we're going to have a ton of episodes that have a ton of facts. I wanted to talk about, and this just news came out on Monday about this, so I thought this was perfect timing. Hopefully next week, we're going to talk about the debt ceiling. We've talked about the debt ceiling a little bit on this podcast before, but now we're like in the crunch time because it was reported on Monday that June 1st could be the day where we can't pay our bills and we default on our debt, the United States of America, which would be really bad. Uh-oh. So I wanted to talk about that, give all the facts about that on the podcast. We're going to do that hopefully next week, but at least in a future episode this week on this podcast. Also, if you read Zader's Weekend Facts on Sunday, and you if you read Zader's Weekend Facts, you know I have a little section for an article, a kind of story that I read from the past week, what Zander's been reading. And the article that I linked last week 
was an article from Vice News of this group of conservative moms that is kind of weaponizing education and not doing so in very nice ways. Like when I read the article, I was absolutely shocked at the stuff that's in there. So if you haven't read the article, I would encourage you to do so. It's linked on the Xander's Weekend Facts from last week or from this past Sunday, where we also talked about the Phoenix Suns and their new TV deal, how that's going to change, how local TV, sports rights work, all that stuff. So you should go read that. But also, Seamus Bog. I really wanted to talk about education. Last year, I did a whole episode about schooling, public schooling, charter schools, and education on this podcast. But right now, the big thing, the what's in right now is book banning and Moms for Liberty. That's the group I want to talk about. So all the stuff that's going on with education, I also wanted to talk about on this podcast. And then, of course, by the end of the month, by the end of May and getting into June, the NBA Finals are going to start. So hopefully it's going to have to come back on the podcast. And also soccer, because you all know I love soccer and I have a lot of, oh boy, I have, I've talked a little bit about soccer, but I have so many, I have a lot of things to say about some of these clubs. So the club soccer season's coming to an end in Europe at the end of the month. Obviously, we're going to talk about that. The Women's World Cup is coming up this summer. USA three-peated coming! We're going to talk about that. There's so many things we're going to talk about over the next month and this summer on the podcast. I'm really excited to talk about that. All those things. And give all the facts, of course. So I just wanted to preview what's going to be coming up in the next few episodes, next few weeks and months of this podcast, because... Oh boy, y'all. Get ready. We are going to be spreading a lot of facts. It is going to be a fact-filled summer on the Xander's Facts podcast. There's a lot of facts on this episode, though. It's episode 103, as I said. Our Xander's Facts senior NBA analyst, Hillbilly, is back on the podcast to redeem himself from his horrific prediction that he made a couple weeks ago. You can still listen to it. It's still live. Episode 101 of the podcast. You should go listen to that. And so we recap the first round of the NBA playoffs and we talk about the conference semifinals. There's a lot of great stuff that we talked about, a lot of facts. I would encourage you to stay tuned because we're going to get to that right now. Our NBA playoffs update with our Xander's Facts NBA analyst Hillbilly starts next as the Xander's Facts podcast continues. Xander's Facts. All right, welcome back. Episode 103 of the podcast for the second time in three weeks. We are joined here on the Xander's Facts podcast by our very own Xander's Facts senior NBA analyst, Hillbilly. Hillbilly came on the podcast a couple weeks ago, and we previewed the NBA playoffs. And in that podcast, well, Hillbilly has some regret now. He would like to apologize to the audience for some very ory take that he made that was come on hillbilly i mean really the bucks whoops yeah yeah in hindsight it was obvious i mean it's just <laughs> of i i don't know how blind i could be um i mean obviously you didn't pick the box you know um, you knew that well, they were going to lose in miami i'm sure well, no. um and you know it, it in hindsight it was obvious that Giannis would fall what like eight feet right onto his back and break his back and be out for two games and 
that the rest of them would just go ahead and suck because of that. Yeah, well, I okay. I didn't pick Miami, but I wish I did because oh boy, I'm on the Heat train now. But let's just well, that's the real that's the real question, though, Xander. Are you a Heat fan now? Yes. Well, I, did you listen to the podcast? I was fully on board. I mean, <laughs> okay, okay, I missed that. All right, but Last it's week. okay. Just want to make sure that's fully what it, that's all it talked. Was just, just them beating the ball. Well, I said, what did I say to a couple weeks ago? We were on the podcast. I said. <laughs> What did I say? I, I follow them. I wasn't a fan. And you were like, oh, that's so sad. And I was like, well, if they win the series, I mean, and you know okay. what? They won the series. So. <laughs> and they're I in mean, good they, shape right now. So They are. We're going we're gonna to talk about that. We're going to talk about all the series that are going to be going on in the NBA playoffs. Because I don't know about y'all, but I have been fascinated. I have been captivated by these NBA playoffs the last few weeks. The first round I thought was awesome. Conference semifinals are shaping up pretty good. So we brought Hillbilly back on too recap everything that just happened in the first round first round just wrapped up on sunday and the second round of the playoffs the conference semifinals is just getting going games are starting series are starting it is going to be super fun we're gonna have a lot of facts to bring you all it's the only fact-filled nba podcast episode 103 with our xaners facts nba analyst hillbilly so as i said let's just start before we get to the matchups that are now going on, the conference semifinals, let's just recap the best of the first round, which we should start, Hillbilly, with your beloved Milwaukee Bucks and my beloved now, Miami Heat. <laughs> your re-beloved. That's right. I don't think anybody... I Listen, I did not see this coming. You listened to me on the podcast a couple weeks ago. I was trashing the Miami Heat, and a lot of people were, because... They looked, their offense was one of the worst in the league in the regular season. They lost to the Hawks at home in the play-in. They had to come back to beat the Bulls in the second play-in just to get to be the eighth seed. And then they dominate the Milwaukee Bucks in a five-game series, four games to one. So Hillbilly, obviously Giannis got injured and he missed those two games, but he played for couple games in the series and in every game he played in they lost so what what happens good question well okay to be fair he oh, only boy. played what did he get injured in the first or second quarter in the very wow. first game so you know and then he's out for two games and he comes back he was injured still i think there was a lot of talk about the locker room scene being pretty grisly for him after the games because he was in so much pain but but i mean regardless like the bucks remember there was the one game where they the bucks killed it without game two and they should be able to do that to them but you know it wasn't just Giannis being out and injured that was their problem i think a lot of things really just got showed up i mean remember miami's also without tyler hero which I mean, Tyler Hero is no Giannis Antetokounmpo, but he's important for Miami. Like, they need that offense badly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, that's a really troubling player for them to lose. And, you know, they didn't let that bother them collectively. The Bucs just didn't seem as though they were interested in playing at all. Like, Brooke Lopez had a horrible series. Middleton shot the ball well, but he looked creaky out there. Holiday just got crucified by... um, Jimmy Butler in that last game and Budenholzer made some of the most 
stupid mistakes that I've seen a coach make in a long time. Rude. And I think, you know, they've got a lot of decisions to make in the offseason here. I think there's a lot of talk of Budenholzer leaving, but I don't think it's just Budenholzer. I, I think they need to look up at the general manager as well. They have not been putting decent teams together, and they have put themselves into a position where they're going to have a they're going to have to make some really hard decisions. I mean, do you extend Chris Middleton for four years at a max contract with his injury history right now? That doesn't sound like a good idea, but that's probably what it would take to keep or something close to it. Giannis comes up for his extension next year. Whether he will take it or not, we'll see. And they just haven't made a lot of good decisions. They haven't gotten a good draft pick in a long time. And, you know, I know they always pick late in the draft because they have Giannis, so they're always a good team. But, you know, at least one out of four of those 20-something, you know, picks, uh, or those, you know, between the 20th and 30th pick, whatever, one out of four of those, you've got to expect pans out. None of them have recently. We're looking at Malcolm Brogdon playing on the Celtics right now as sixth man of the year possible. The Bucks just let him go for cash. They just didn't want to pay him. All they had to do was extend him a contract offer. They make mistakes like that. The people that they brought in, you know, I know they didn't spend high draft picks on Drake, Jay Crowder, but they did spend draft picks on him, and he doesn't even play. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just difficult to see a lot of the decisions they made. They just got older and slower, and... You know, I think that the general manager should take a lot of heat for that as well. Yeah, it was it was really the perfect storm, I think, of Milwaukee losing their star player, him being injured, and their team not rallying around that, and Jimmy Butler just going absolutely nuts. Fifty on one of the best defenders in the league. Yeah. You know, when they when they did a poll of all the NBA players as to who the best defensive player in the league was overwhelmingly, they said Drew Holiday. Jimmy Butler did that to him. That's pretty awesome. He scored 56 points in game four, which was the most ever by a Heat player in the playoffs. Think of the players that have played for Miami in the playoffs, and Jimmy Butler has the most points. That's also a career high. It's a fact. They overcame a 15-point deficit in that game too, Hillbilly. It wasn't like the Bucs weren't doing well in these games in game five too. game five was just so game four after game four Miami comes back and wins they're up three one and I think everybody was thinking because even the line Vegas had it at like 11 and a half or so the Bucks were favored in game five and they led by 16 points at the start of the fourth quarter and Jimmy Butler scores 42 points just after his 56 point game and so they went in overtime. Like, that's the game five coming after that 56 points might even be more incredible just yeah. as to how he did it in Milwaukee to close out the series. Well, and just in the fashion that he does it, Tyler Heroes, as we just talked about, out. Kyle Lowry's actually having a really good playoffs, mm-hmm. but I mean, he's still not anything you have to be crazy worried about. You know, it's going to be Jimmy Butler. Like the Bucks knew, knew that there's it's obvious on every play almost, and they still can't stop. No, I mean it's just insane, Jimmy. I mean that was one of the best playoff performance rounds I think we've seen in a while, Jimmy Butler. Honestly, I wish 
I wish it was it wasn't against the Bucks because then I would have been able to enjoy it because it um, was an incredible performance. So sad. Yeah. So Miami was the sixth. This has happened before a one seed has lost to an eight seed. It's not as rare as like a sixteen beating a one in March Madness. This is the sixth time that an eight seed's beaten a one seed. And but this is the first time that the eight seeds won in five games. All the other times were in six games, four two. This was the first time that an eight seed won the series four games to one. One of those other um, four two eight seed beating one seed was this team, the Miami Heat. Not these players, but the team back in 1999 mm-hmm. with the Knicks. And we're going to be talking about that series because those two teams are playing in the semifinals of the conference. So we're going to talk, we're going to preview that in a little bit. So yeah, Hillbilly's feeling very distraught. But let's move on. I think this might be, this will be more exciting. Because I think this was the most exciting series of the first round, was Kings-Warriors. I don't think anybody would doubt that. It was the only one to go to seven games. And the Kings, they won the first two games of the series. They looked really good. They got to light the beam. Warriors came back at home in San Francisco, won the next two. Then, Hillbilly, Golden State steals the game in Sacramento Game 5, so they don't get to light the beam. Perfect opportunity to close it out in six. You don't have to go back to Sacramento and play in front of those fans for game seven. And they, I don't know what happened, but they didn't close it out. So they go to game seven. And then Hillbilly Steph Curry puts on one of the great performances a great player has in a game seven. Yeah, he sure did. I mean, we're talking about two back to back performances there, you know, with Steph and Jimmy Butler, where it's just, We've already seen two all-time performances. And yep, Steph's was just, uh, he is it's really one of the most exciting players that you can watch. I mean, you think about how good he is and like how he is climbing up the pantheon of the great players of all time. You know, and, and he's, he's got to be in the top 10 now. He's the only person that's even in consideration when you think about like the great players of all time that's under 6'6". And he's like, what, 6'1", 6'2"? I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, everybody else, like Jordan's about as small as it gets, you know, in that group. He's so small, but he's just so incredibly skilled at what he does. So much fun to watch. And it's, I, it's rare that I root for a team that's this dominant because I usually root for the underdog, but I just can't help it with um, their... And I can't stand Draymond, but I can't <laughs> well, help okay. it. No, and against the ultimate underdog, really, in the Sacramento Kings, even though they were the higher seed. And they, they acquitted themselves very well. That was, a, like you said, that was a really great series to watch. Sacramento came out swinging. I, I don't think Sabonis really had the best series, but you know, I think Darren Fox really, I mean, he got hurt at the end. And when, you're, when your shooting hand is restricted the way that his is, I mean, that's really tough. But I think Darren Fox really showed everybody what he is, that he's he is a legit superstar. Clutch um, player of the year. Yeah, just <laughs> really something else. So, you know, future's bright. Got to think Sacramento's got to be pretty excited. Yeah. So Darren Fox, he the first six games of the series, he had 20 points or more, which I believe was tied with Oscar Robertson, I think, for the most 20-plus point games to start the playoffs in your career because those were his first six games nice fact clutch player of the year but also 
I mean, let's just go back to Steph for a second because he had 50 points in Game 7 in Sacramento, which is the most in NBA history in a Game 7. Fact! Which is insane. He also scored in the whole series, it wasn't just Game 7, 236 points in the series. And I think we forget how old he is because he's 35. He's the first player who's age 35 or more to score over 200 points in a playoff series since the last dance. Michael Jordan did it back in the... 98 conference finals and in the NBA finals. So really, historic, not just game, but series for Seth Curry. And they really needed it, Hillbilly, because there were times in that Game 7, I think, where Sacramento, obviously, mm-hmm. they they had a chance. The Warriors ended up winning by 20, but that wasn't really until the end when they pulled away. No, but Sacramento no it was a very a competitive game. Yeah, no, and Sacramento had several chances during the game to really like there were a couple points where I I I kind of saw it coming where it's like I I it looked it felt like the Kings are about to pull out. Like they're about to not make it uncompetitive necessarily, but you know, really kind of put it right to almost out of reach. And Steph Curry just wasn't gonna let it happen. I mean, he didn't get a ton of help from his other splash brother there. No. And they, you know, he just hasn't had a good playoff so far, but Curry's playing about as well as anybody ever has. I think it's probably as well as he's played in his career. Whoa. I mean, I think the numbers back it up, too. Wow. Yeah. So on the other side of the coin, you've got the Kings. And as we said, that was a competitive game seven. It was a competitive series. Their fans were going crazy. Obviously, it was the first time they've been in the playoffs. Mike Brown, coach of the year, absolutely deserved. But what do you think, Hillbilly, is that for next year, what do they need to take the next step? Because they were the third seed, obviously, this year in the playoffs. But to get into that upper echelon of teams in the West, like the Warriors, the Lakers when LeBron and AD are healthy, um, the Nuggets right now, what do you think they need to get up to that top tier, take the next step? Well, I think it's a tricky answer. I mean, I think for one thing, they just need for next year to happen because Keegan Murray is going to be better. DeAndre Fox is going to be better. Malik Monk will probably be better. Um, and he's really come on for them. Like all those guys are on the upswing. They're, it's Keegan Murray's a rookie. Really, the only player who gets big minutes for them that isn't kind of on the upswing of their career is Harrison Barnes, who, you know, that might be an idea to look for him. You know, I thought that it's as incredible as Steph Curry's game was. And it, it was, you know, he had a truly incredible game and he deserves all the credit for it. Kevon Looney's job down low with more than 20 rebounds in that game, when he's just shoving Sabonis aside, was also the the real mark of the game there. I mean, Curry didn't have an incredibly efficient night. He shot fine. You know, he had good numbers, but it wasn't like he was just hitting everything. But they were getting offensive rebound after offensive rebound. So maybe bringing in somebody that can... I don't know, at least come in for some minutes to help with rebounding and help with toughness down there because that that would have made all the difference, I think. I think we'd both definitely say most exciting series of the first round, and a lot of people liked it because Game 4, Game 4 of that series was last Sunday afternoon. It was on ABC. It was the most watched first-round playoff game in 21 years since the Lakers and the Trailblazers in 2002 which was back on NBC. That's how far that's how far back it was. Mm-hmm. And then game 7 was a Sunday afternoon. So who knows how many viewers that got. But yeah, 
definitely a, a great series. And the Warriors advance to the conference semifinals. So they will face Hillbilly, the Los Angeles Lakers, who took down the Memphis Grizzlies. I know to your displeasure, but well, they kind of like, I don't think that series was really close. Just no. watching it. I mean, no, it's, it's, um, it's really kind of testament to how fickle the NBA can be. I mean, Memphis, like if I was a Memphis fan, you know, just a few months ago, I'm as excited as any fan in the league. I've got this incredibly young team that's just shredding people. You know, it's, it's deep. We still have all of our draft picks and everything looks great. And then just stuff starts to trickle in with Morant. We get the injuries. And you're now at the point where they just collapsed against the Lakers. I mean, did you, going into that final game in, in the Lakers-Memphis series there, did you think that Memphis had any chance of winning? <laughs> no, because they were the Lakers were already up three one. They, I guess they, ba- I mean, they basically gave the game to Memphis in Memphis, and then you go game right. six back in Los Angeles. They're not going to lose that game. There's no. Yeah, it was just they they weren't competitive, and you know they they've got big problems and that are you know going to always be systemic problems for them. I mean, a lot of their offense is you know predicated on you know the transition game, which. So is Miami's. So I don't know, you know how much that actually proves. Although Miami, I think, has the best coach in the NBA. So that helps. But, you know, you need that half court offense reliably in the uh, playoffs in the NBA. And they just showed that they really don't have it. And John Morant just looks like he has a lot of growing up to do. I mean, he just kind of wilted. And Jaron Jackson, kind of the same. Well, he wasn't the biggest <laughs> off the court personality issue for Memphis, but uh, yeah. So it's it's kind of stinks. I mean, I'd be Mike's enthusiasm for the team would be a little tempered right now if I was a Grizzlies fan, just because you got to Morant's got to get his act together and lead that team because they look like they were without a rudder. Yeah, and then you've also got you know Dylan Brooks out there saying he doesn't respect anybody unless they drop 40 on him and taking every three he wants to just taking Ugh. every single three point shot that he yeah, wants. Just... <laughs> and then the Lakers won game six by exactly 40 points, which I don't know if LeBron, I, I, that was probably in the back of his mind. It was like, he said 40, let's win this game by 40. Maybe. I don't know. That was actually the, Largest series clinching win by a LeBron James team in his career was 40 points. Also, I have another stat. This is from ESPN, which I found kind of crazy, was that um, Anthony Davis in Game 6, because he hasn't gone injured yet, Hillbilly, it's been incredible, is the first Lakers player with 10 points, 10 rebounds, and 3 blocks in a playoff half, which was the first half, since Pau Gasol back in 2012. Game seven against the Nuggets. That was also the last time that the Lakers clinched a series on their home court. Until now, because they won game six and they won the series at home. Too many facts. Grizzly. So now the Lakers and the Warriors get to match up, which is the matchup that a lot of people have been looking for. The NBA, oh my gosh, the league is loving that. They're like, Grizz- Warriors, Lakers, LeBron, Steph, please. We're going to talk about that in just a second. Let's just go through... The rest of these matchups, though, that were in the first round. Start with the Celtics and the Hawks, so Billy, because the Hawks, I mean, kind of unexpected how much of a handful they gave the Celtics. It was a 4-2 series. 
when you watched game one, it looked like Boston was just going to, it looked like a sweep. I mean, they were dominating. They led by as much as 32, but they only won by 13. They kind of, they took their foot off the pedal. And there was, there was, you know, in the fourth quarter, there was a chance it looked like if Atlanta actually tries and makes a run, they could make this a close game. And it did not look like a close game at all. They won that game, though. But Boston's wins in games four and game six only came by eight points each. True that. So, I mean, does that give you any pause for concern for Boston at all? It it does, but that's it, we see this from Boston. We we we've seen it for years. I mean, remember Boston lost two games in a row to Orlando in Boston this regular season. They just they have these lapses, and it bears remembering that they are a very young team, and they're just an incredibly experienced, very young team. I mean, the amount of playoff experience that they've had at their young age is just really kind of phenomenal. But they're still prone to those kinds of lapses in judgment. And, you know, their point guard, Marcus Smart, he's kind of, he brings a lot of great things to that team, a lot of energy, a lot of good defense. But he also brings some very questionable decision making. And just, he can be really on and off. I don't know. I think we're all kind of waiting for Jason Tatum to just truly assume dominance over the team and just really, really lead it. So that things like what we saw, they should have just crushed the Hawks four straight. That should not have been close. I am, though, not really worried about the Celtics. I mean, I think that it's a matter of focus. And when they go up against the Sixers, I think they're going to have all the focus that they need, and it won't be a problem. Yeah, we'll talk about that in just a second. You just mentioned the Sixers, though. The other first-round Eastern Conference series, that was a sweep sixers just swept the nets and not really i don't think really much to talk about but obviously joel and bean sprayed his lcl in game three that's going to have an effect on the boston series game three although is what we're going to remember as the uh groin game what i don't know about you hillbilly but there was uh i don't know i don't know if there was a magnet or something that just led 76ers players to do that James Harden, Joel Embiid, but, uh, you know. Yeah, I, I guess he's picking it up from James Harden. I don't know, but, um, <laughs> well, I don't know if that's fair. I mean, James Harden, I thought it was pretty clear that he was going for it. But I could see how, I could, I think reasonable minds could differ on that, I guess. That's what it looked like to me. It was interesting because Embiid had the kick. He was laying on the ground and he kicked. And you know, there was, and they called it a flagrant one, so he wasn't ejected. And right. then Harden in the second half, I believe, you know, hits him with the hand and then he gets ejected. And some people were like, well, maybe that's just retribution because they should have ejected Embiid. So they. Well, and the thing is with Embiid, I mean, so Embiid obviously was trying to kick him in the groin. I think that, I mean, I, it's one of the most obvious ones I think you've watch, ever seen. Watch the video, He's, yeah. But he misses. Whips! <laughs> you know, because I don't, that's just kind of crazy. And then I guess you argue that Harden didn't mean to, but did hit. I th- I felt like Harden probably meant to, but Embiid definitely meant to. And I don't understand that whole like stepping over somebody is so bad that you would kick them in the groin. Like I don't know, and because I really like Embiid, he seems like a, a good enough dude. And it's I, it's just strange that he would get that upset about that. 
And heat of the moment. I don't know. Let's go to the other two West series, though, real quickly. Nuggets, Timberwolves start off. That series wasn't really close. They just, the Nuggets were nice because they gave, they didn't sweep them. They gave them the gentleman's sweep. They won three games. They gave the Timberwolves the fourth game. And then they said, you're all right, you're done. Yeah, they kind of took care of it in pretty work, you know, business-like fashion. Like, it's just, this is what we're going to do. And, you know, I don't think the Timberwolves played to their talent level. If they if they did, I think it would have been a competitive series. But, you know, that team is just not that the way that team is currently constituted is just not a good basketball team, despite having some really good single singular players there. But, yeah, the Nuggets just kind of took care of what they needed to do. Yeah. And then the last series, Hillbilly did have this one correctly. Suns, they kind of rolled past the Clippers four to one. It would have been a much better series. I think we both agree if Kawhi Leonard was not injured because he looked really yes but uh, when I made that pick the Clippers I didn't know Kawhi Leonard was going to get injured fair enough fair enough but he I mean he looked really good when he played and that team I thought looked really good and then he got injured and the Suns Mm -hmm. just took over they won game one the I mean the Suns they only won their largest win in the series out of the four games was 14 points they won two games by five points and six points each. Like these were close games. Russell Westbrook, Powell, like they were actually keeping them in the games. Yep. They just, I mean, when you go up against Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, that team without your two star players, it's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, it was just, uh, Russell Westbrook had that end of game one, Russell Westbrook's last, you know, couple minutes of that game was some of the most fun I've had watching basketball in a while. I mean, Westbrook just looked incredible at the end of that game. He had missed like 16 three-pointers that game. But at the end, he just, the the block that he had on Devin Booker, um, he just owned Devin Booker at the end of that game. Looked great. And then, you know, like you said, with Kawhi being injured, already losing Paul George, it wasn't a real test for the Suns. Yeah, and at this point, you're like, if you're Steve Ballmer and the Clippers, like, what do you do? This has not worked out because at least one of them is always injured. Yeah, well, I think Ballmer's probably looking long term. Like, you know, it, the team's in LA; they're about to get a new stadium. Mm-hmm. What he needs to do is to develop a reputation as an organization of being a place that people want to play. Because he's in LA, they will come. He's just got to, you know, show people that you know we treat stars really well here and. Once Kawhi goes, you know, they'll they'll bring in the next star. So I don't think he has much of a choice but to play it out next year with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard coming back. I mean, if they ever did manage to get healthy at that time of the year, I mean, Kawhi looked fantastic. Mm-hmm. He did not look like a burned out shell of himself. Oh, yeah. That was full vintage Kawhi Leonard, as good as any other player in the NBA. It's reasonable to think, I mean, this is just, he has a meniscus tear, right? So, you know, there's every reason to think that he can come back. And I think it just somehow get Paul George and him healthy together with a decent, you know, rotating or um, a supporting cast, which they need to work on a little bit. Like they need to get a good point guard. Every reason to think they can't be back next year. Yeah, I mean, if that if that happens, if it works out next year, I mean, that's great. We'll see. But the Suns roll on. So that's first round recaps. Now let's get to the stuff that's coming up, stuff we're about to watch. Conference semifinals preview. 
I don't know if you know this, Billy, but this is the first year ever in the NBA playoffs that all eight seeds are represented in the second round. You've got a one seed, a two seed, a three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So, you I mean, the Nuggets one, Celtics two, Sixers three, Suns four, Knicks five, Warriors six, Lakers seven, Heat eight. Very nice. This is a fact. Sanders facts. It is a crazy year. Yeah, it is. And I think we thought this might happen, even though we ha- we both had the two one seeds going to the finals. We were kind of like, there's really no dominant team this year. So, you know. This could happen. Let's start, though. Let's start in the West with those two series previewing. Let's take a look at the Nuggets and the Suns. We're recording this Monday night, by the way, so we haven't watched Game 2 of Nuggets-Suns, which is later Monday night. But they did play in Game 1. The Nuggets looked pretty dominant in that game. I mean, the Suns, 27 points from Durant, 29 from Booker. But when Jamal Murray can go for 34... And then Jokic, of course, the two-time reigning MVP, had 24. And you can get Aaron Gordon with 23. And Michael Porter Jr. can really help you out. You know, it's just, this is, I think this is going to be a closer series. I think the Suns are going to win some games, especially at home. But the Nuggets looked like a championship caliber team on Saturday night. Yeah, they did. And they looked like they were ready to expose some of the problems that the Suns have. You know, there, there's a lot of opinion out there, I guess, that the Suns are a bad matchup for the Nuggets. Part of it because of the way the Suns beat the Nuggets pretty bad uh, two years ago in the playoffs. And I think a lot of that comes, you know, from from that uh, series. But, you know, there's I think there's concern on how the Nuggets are going to be able to handle the ball screens that Suns do. Like, you know, Jokic can be a tough matchup for I mean, for the Nuggets. Jokic can be a tough matchup to find somebody or if he finds himself on the wrong uh, perimeter player for the other team. But I don't know, looking into this matchup, and I think we talked about this, I thought the Nuggets look like they should be about as well suited for the Suns as you can be. I mean, they've got great individual defenders for the two big problems that the Suns present, you know, in Durant and in Booker. Contavious Caldwell-Pope is a good matchup for Booker, and Aaron Gordon is about as good as you're going to get for Kevin Durant. Nobody's going to shut him down, but he's at least going to make Kevin Durant work for it. And on the other side of it, Kevin Durant and Devin Booker don't get to take plays off or possessions off. Like They have to play hard defense on the other end because that starting lineup for the Nuggets doesn't have a player that you can leave alone. Every single player there can score. I mean, Contavious Caldwell-Pope is not necessarily known for being a bucket getter and like going to get his own shot, but he's also about as good a catch-and-shoot three-point shooter you have in the entire league. At one point, he was leading the league in three-point percentage. Gash facts. Michael Porter Jr. is the same. Same thing with Aaron Gordon. I mean, he's great coming off of the uh, down screens in, in getting to the basket for the dunk. He is great, or he's a good enough three-point shooter that they have to respect him out there. So Kevin Durant and Booker have to work every single minute out there. Whereas Jamal Murray, who is having an incredible playoff so far and looks like he is completely back and he's going to drop a 50-point game at some point Mm. i mean it just seems almost inevitable that that's going to happen especially if chris paul is guarding him. 
But Jamal Murray gets to cover Chris Paul. And you don't have to worry about Chris Paul that much anymore. And that just leaves all that extra energy for Jamal Murray. And the the Nuggets have a lot of kind of built-in advantages that I think are going to carry them through it. I mean, obviously, Kevin Durant and Devin Booker are going to at least win you a couple of games. But I think that they do have some systemic problems that unless the Nuggets really screw it up, and I think Jokic is too much of a steadying presence for that to really happen, I think it's the Nuggets to lose. I think I'd go with I think I'd go with Denver and six. I think Phoenix could take two games, maybe maybe only one, especially if if Denver can win a game in Phoenix, either game three or four, that might be it. But uh, I'll go with I'll go with Nuggets and six. How many games you think in Hillbilly? I don't know. It's Kevin Durant and Devin Booker on the other side. I think I it may go to seven. And one of the reasons that I say that is because the, the Nuggets are not a good away team. As good as they are at home, they're just a below average road team. Well, I know, but so are the Warriors. No, no, no I know. But <laughs> as, good as, as much as I like Nikola Jokic, I don't know that he's quite, you know, Curry. You know, I, I would love to be wrong. I, I love the Nuggets. They're, now that the Bucks are out, the Nuggets are the team that I'm personally rooting for. Oh, so. okay. All right. Well, that other series in the West is, I think, that like if we said five years ago, oh my gosh, everybody's so excited for Warriors versus LeBron, everybody wouldn't have been like, again? Because we had this in the finals four straight years. But now it's like, ever, like, could we get this one final time, please? Because this may be the final time we see LeBron against Steph and the Warriors in the playoffs. This is what's going to happen six versus seven in the West. And, you know, the NBA is loving that. I mean, honestly, we talk, <laughs> we joke about the league being rigged. And there was that player who came out and said, yeah, there, it's rigged. There's a script. There's an entire script. The league is rigged, which I mean, like. Really, the Lakers would have been so bad for those years, and the Knicks would have been terrible for all these years. Like the NBA would have scripted that, and at least one disgruntled NBA former player wouldn't have told. I mean, like somebody <laughs> wouldn't have backed him up, you know, and and said that like that's actually happening. It's yeah, it's yeah. difficult to keep a conspiracy that broad in its nature. <laughs> it can total secret. <laughs> give give me a break. But if the league was scripting, they would have they would have picked Lakers and Warriors. Maybe not in the second round, but they would have picked them. So we're going to see that in the second round. And, uh, and maybe the final time we see, because we forget, as I said, Steph Curry is 35 years old. He doesn't play like it. And LeBron doesn't play like he's almost 40. But they do. They're still absolutely insane. I don't know, Hillbilly. What do you think? Because these are two teams who started off the year really poorly, like not even in play-in territory poorly. And they really, the Lakers made some trades. They brought it back into the play-in. They finished the regular season. They won the last eight games or so. And the Warriors, they were injured and they finally came back and they look like they did last year when they won the NBA title. So I'm really excited about this series. I don't know. What do you think it's going to happen? You know, you talked about how old the two players are and how they're not playing like their respective ages. But I will say that, well, there are two great players in this game or in this series, as you talked about it, you know, LeBron and uh, Steph Curry, two all-time greats, I mean. Um, Mm -hmm. And one of them is in their prime and the other one isn't. And I don't think LeBron's in his prime anymore. At least he hasn't shown it. Maybe he's been holding it in reserve because he knew that Memphis didn't really have it. 
but he has not looked like he's just as good as he's ever been. I think Steph Curry is actually as good as he's ever been. And I just, you know, at the end of the day, I think I'm going to go with that. Whichever one of the absolute superstars is in their prime. I mean, Anthony Davis is probably going to be the best player for the Lakers in that series. So I think Curry will will carry them over. I think Curry's got a better supporting cast uh, in the in the Warriors than LeBron has with the Lakers. I mean, they did revamp it. They they have been better. I, you know, I've been dismissive, I guess, because they did have such an easy record at the end of the year. Um, and Memphis did just also kind of fall apart on them. But then again, the Lakers took care of business. I mean, they did they did what they were supposed to do. You can only beat the player, the teams that are in front of you, and they've done that. And by the end of it, Memphis was absolutely beaten. I mean, they just looked awful. Um, they knew they were beaten. But but I still think that when you look at the way that the Warriors are constructed, I mean, Anthony Davis, like I said, has to be a very important player for the Lakers. Well, the Warriors have somebody really, really good in Kavon Loney to make Anthony Davis's job hard. And that's all you really got to do. He's gonna he's gonna be the best or one of the best players out there on the court, um, no matter what you do. But you make that job hard for him, and you know it's just what it makes it less likely that Anthony Davis is gonna get through that series. And Clay Thompson is due. I, I could I think it'd be Clay Thompson's had some great games this year. It's almost predictable that he's gonna have at least a few, you know, great games in this Lakers series. At the end of the day, though, like I said, I think Steph Curry is playing as well as he ever has. He is an all-time great. I'm just going to go with that. Yeah, I'll go. Well, I had this series in my playoff preview, so I'm going to stick with it, and I'm going to go with the Warriors. One thing, though, that is... I I said Steph Curry had 236 points in that last series. Jordan Poole, who was huge for them last year, and obviously, remember back in... uh, Gosh, it was October when all that stuff came out about him and Draymond, and then this thing, well, it was just on the uh, the bench. They don't acknowledge each other, and that kind right. of, that clip kind of went all over social media. But he only had eight points in Game 7. He wasn't really a factor. only had 76 points in the series. True, true. Clay obviously didn't play as well either, but I don't. they didn't give as many minutes to Jordan Poole. So I don't know what... What do you think about all that? Do they do they really need him for the Lakers series? Well, I think that Jordan Poole, it's very possible that he could have a better series, too. I don't know that the Lakers really have the perimeter defense to give him the same kinds of problems. And so it wouldn't be surprising if he had a better game, too. Or a better series, I'm sorry. Or a more involved one. Andrew Wiggins has looked really good. You know, he looks very rested, which he is. You know, he had that yes. long absence for personal reasons. And he looks like he's got all the energy in the world out there. And he's playing very good. And, you know, going back to last year when the Warriors won the championship, Steph Curry is obviously the most important player. But after him, it was Andrew Wiggins who was the most important. It wasn't Clay Thompson or Draymond Green. And Kevon Looney was also really critical to them winning the championship last year. You have those guys playing extremely well. Draymond Green is playing well. And I can I just think Clay Thompson will probably get his shot back. I think that's too much. <laughs> Me too. I think the Warriors are going to beat the Lakers in that series. All right, so let's go to the East and the Heat and the Knicks. Game one of that series was Sunday. Sunday was also 
the Heat and the Knicks have obviously played each other before, as I mentioned. They have history. That 99 series, obviously. And this is the 25th anniversary of a uh, infamous infamous picture that's gone around in NBA circles. I have Jeff Van Gundy. The Heat and the Knicks mm-hmm. are fighting in the first round. Jeff Van Gundy on the floor, hugging yep. Alonzo Mourning. I was, watching, I was watching that game while it happened. <laughs> and it was just absolutely because Jeff Van Gundy is not a big man. <laughs> no. And it looked like he was a, like an elf in a forest. I mean, it was just, it was crazy. But those teams, they were so physical back then. I mean, those are back in the days, like, you know, where you had Charles Oakley and Anthony Mason, you know, on, on the Knicks and, you know, Alonzo Mourning and PJ Armstrong on the uh, on the Heat and just playing brutal basketball against one another. It's really exciting because those were great, great matchups. And the teams that you know we're going to see play against each other in this next series, they are kind of reminiscent of that. I mean, especially by modern NBA standards, those are grit and grind, tough, blue collar kind of teams, and it's going to be kind of cool to see that. Yeah, I mean the Heat, they kind of didn't play that way to beat the Bucks. You really the just the difference in three point shot because the Heat. I mean, I don't know. Obviously, most people doubted them going to that Bucks series, but I think with them and the Warriors and the Lakers, and you know these guys, and they've been to they've been to these places before. The Heat last year were one shot away from the finals. It's like. Almost sometimes you kind of have to disregard what they do in the regular season, especially for players like Jimmy Butler, because when Jimmy Butler, players like him get the chance, I mean, they're going to, you know, clinch that chance and go crazy. And and what also helped the Heat is all these guys that almost come out of nowhere and help them. Guys like Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin, who were just knocking down threes. And you're like, who? I've never heard of this guy before. How is he destroying Milwaukee? And then the ones that you have heard of, Kevin Love. Like, we all know yeah. who he is. <laughs> Cleveland just bought him out. Like, they just said, we, I think he probably asked to be bought out, but he know, wasn't Cleveland playing. let him go for nothing. Yeah. They got absolutely nothing for it. And now he's producing for Miami. It's because Miami has the best coach in the league. I mean, Spolstra is just, oh. it's, it's sad that he's never won coach of the year. That's a fact. Um, because really? he, yeah, if you, um, if you were starting a team right now, a Spolster has got to be your number one pick for coach. I mean, I, it, at least he would be from. Yeah. I mean, well, you take a look at his resume. He coached the big three teams to four straight finals. Mm-hmm. But after that, he stayed the coach. And they've gone to another finals. They've been a shot away with this group. I mean, it's it's absolutely insane. I did not know he's never won Coach of the Year. That's that's crazy. It what's well, because they don't. Sometimes they do have great uh, regular seasons, but you know they all they they are always trying to win in the championship. You know, and it's really like you think about them compared to the Wizards. Because they, a lot of times, will be drafting in similar areas. You know, like the, the Wizards, you know, they're always in that middle. They never get super high draft picks because they do a little bit too well for that. And they just constantly suck. But the Heat are oftentimes in that same neighborhood, but they just find these guys and coach them up. 
like your Caleb Martins, like your Gabriel Vincents, because it's not just Spolstra, obviously. It's the whole coaching, the the whole management system. Well, that Pat Riley's have. there. I mean, right. Yeah. And, you know, they, they just, they are always competitive and they, they keep bringing these guys in. I mean, let's just move on to the series, the Heat and the Knicks. Game one was Sunday. The Heat overcame another deficit, 12 points. It looked like in the first half, New York with that crowd, when that MSG crowd is going, it's one of the best in the league to support your team. It's in the, it was, and it wasn't looking good for Miami. And again, in the second half, they come back and they beat the Knicks. Now, the Knicks were without Julius Randle, who's obviously going to play a key part in this series for New York. And then Jimmy Butler rolled his ankle. And I don't know if you saw him, Billy, but like, because he kept playing after that. It was like six minutes to go in the fourth quarter. He's just standing in the corner practicing his catch and shoot motion because that's all he could do. Yeah. Yeah. They just left him out there as a decoy. Well, that's the, that's the great unknown for this series. I mean, I, I don't know how you can have watched what Miami's done so far in the playoffs and not think that they're the favorite to win this series if Jimmy Butler is healthy. But that ankle looked pretty – it looked like he was pretty hobbled. So we'll, we'll see how that is. Um, but we'll also see if Randall can come back. I'm hoping it'll be a competitive series because those really were some really awesome series in the 90s. And it's just kind of good to see that back. And it's good for the NBA for – you know, New York, Miami, L.A., Golden State. You know, it's just it's good for the league. It feels like the league has a lot of momentum right now because of the ratings that I said for game four were the best in what was it? Twenty years. People are watching Steph. People are going to watch that LeBron Steph series. The Heat and the Knicks is obviously going to draw back to people who are like who love nostalgia. So, yeah, I it is kind of difficult to. Pick a winner because we don't know the status of Jimmy Butler. But uh, if you had to, Hillbilly, who would you who would you choose to win? The Heat, because I think Butler doesn't have to be a hundred percent. I don't even think he needs to be seventy percent to get out there and play very very well. That's a lot of numbers. And I'm just gonna they they also they have more experience. I mean, New York, you know, they've got a lot of players on that team that don't really have any playoff experience. Jalen Brunson obviously does in the conference championship last year but you know a lot of their players are still kind of coming up and butler's ready so hopefully if i mean mentally and his game is ready hopefully his ankle is ready and i'll pick the heat i'm not gonna go against my miami heat either i'm gonna pick them but it especially i mean just winning that game in new york game one i think is massive because that's a game you take away from the Knicks at home and their fans. So, I mean, there you go. But the thing I noticed with this series is Game 2 was on Tuesday. So a lot of people were saying, and Game 2 has happened by the time this podcast has come out, but a lot of people just said, just send him back to Miami, Jimmy Butler. Game 3 isn't until Saturday. I don't know why it's so long, but that's a huge gap. And that is massively beneficial for Jimmy Butler. Game 3 not being until Saturday. You don't have to win game two. So just go back and try and be as best as you can by game three. Yeah, that gap to Saturday, that is ridiculous. <laughs> Why? I mean, that's almost, it's almost too much, you know, but it's, it's good for them. No, I would seriously consider that. I mean, they, they probably went into New York with the mindset that we want to win one, you know, It'd be great if they won two. I mean, if I was Bolstra, what I would, well, 
he's going to do something better than I would do. Duh. But what I would do is not play Butler. Let him just, just send him. He would already be back in Miami resting, you know, already. And go out there and just shoot a million three-point shots and just hope that you have a really good night and you, you, you win another one, you know? Because, with, I mean, without Butler and without Hero, it's difficult to imagine Miami being competitive. Like they, I just don't know how they field a competitive offense, but no, yeah, unless they just get crazy lucky from behind the three point line. Well, yeah, you need Kevin Love, uh, Duncan Robinson, Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin, Bam Adebayo. You you need those guys to play excellent if you want to chance yeah. to win. Yeah, and so that's probably not going to happen. So why why not just you know put Jimmy Butler back, let him just relax because they're in the driver's seat. If they put Butler out there in game two and he tweaks the ankle and now all of a sudden he may not come back to the series at all, you went from being in the driver's seat to having almost no chance. So that's the Heat and the Knicks. And then we go to the 2v3 in the East, the final conference semifinal matchup, which is the 76ers and the Celtics. And we talked about the Celtics and how uh, you know they should have put away Atlanta. They didn't, so the 76ers get a little bit more rest. But the issue with the 76ers is that Joel Embiid is, did not play in Game 1, and I think if they, they want to have any shot at winning the series, I believe, they need Joel Embiid to play well, I would say. Yeah, he's, um, he's going to win the MVP. He deserves it. It's true! I think it's really, really close, but I mean, I... I think he deserves it as much as anyone else. And they are, part of the reason he deserves it is because how dependent upon him they are. I mean, they really need him both offensively and defensively. Like, it's just a completely different team without him. I am very skeptical that James Harden can lead a team right now. Can lead a team to beat a team as good as the Celtics. He would have to be in absolute full peak form and he's just not there anymore Tyrese Maxey's just way too erratic of a player and the Celtics just have an answer for everything you know we talked about this in the playoff preview you know we talked about being a two-way team you know and how important that was and how like you know it's just it's typical that a the championship team is going to be top 10 in both you know that's because that's Mm -hmm. just kind of what happens and the Celtics were the only one that fit that mold this year. And they fit it big time, like two and four, yeah. I think, you know, an offensive and defensive rate. Without, I mean, to lose a player the magnitude of Joel Embiid and then have to go up against a team that is that good, both offensively and defensively, I'd, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a sweep. I don't think so. Whoa, whoa. I don't know about a sweep, but okay. I mean, especially... I. If Joel Embiid is healthy, I think they can take a game or two. But if oh yeah, no, no, if, if Embiid's healthy, I think that's totally different. Yeah, but well, we not. don't know. We don't know. So yeah. well, we know that he's not healthy. I mean, even when he yeah. comes back, he's not going to be himself. Now, if I'm wrong and he comes back game two and he's just vintage Joel Embiid, I think that's totally different because I think he is so good that he can make up for some of the other deficits on that team. But I don't think that'll happen. No. I'm going to go with my pick in the playoff preview, too. I'm going to go with Boston. So there you go. Our 
conference semifinal little bit of preview here on the Xander's Facts podcast with Hillbilly. So to close out this podcast, we all know that Hillbilly's championship pick it it went sideways. Sure. So we're gonna give we're gonna you get a second chance, Hillbilly. <laughs> Who <laughs> would you say is uh who's your new pick to uh to win the finals? The Celtics. Debatable. Ooh. I mean, I thought, you know, it was really razor thin close before. I, I think that it would probably bear out if you listen to the playoff preview again, that it was really, really close between the Bucks and Celtics. And everything is just coming up Celtics. I mean, the Bucks are not just hobbled, they're gone. Fact, Nugget. You know, the Sixers are hobbled, like we talked about. It just seems really unlikely that Joel Embiid is going to come back fully. And that's just playing right into the Celtics' hands there. They're going to have home court advantage in the finals. And it just seems like everything's coming up for them. The level of defense that they can ratchet it up to. I mean, when you're talking about like the last five minutes in a playoff game and you have Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, just putting all that perimeter pressure on there as good as it gets, you know, backed up with like Robert Williams and Al Horford behind they just they don't have any problems on defense at all and they're they're very three point heavy which is part of the problem that they can have is that if they go a little bit if their three point shot goes south they shoot so many of them that it can be a real problem for them but on average that's just going to win out because they are so good from the three point line and they score so well well I'm, an 8 seed has made the finals before hillbilly it was that 99 Knicks. so uh I wouldn't be so sure. But no, I think I'd take the Celtics too. Out of the East. I mean, I would be rooting for the Nuggets in that finals. Okay. But I think yeah. I think the Celtics would beat them. All right, so there you go. Thanks again to Hillbilly for coming on the podcast, for giving our recap of the first round, which, I mean, I loved watching all those games. And I think the second round, the conference semifinals, is going to turn out great too. If you haven't been watching playoff basketball, now is the time to start because... It's it's some good stuff. All right, Hillbilly. Thanks again for coming on the podcast, for expressing your feelings. I know it's a very difficult time right now for you. But <laughs> thank you. Thank you. No, thanks for having me on. Xander's Facts. Oh, yeah. Thanks once again to Hillbilly for coming back on the podcast for to redeem himself, really. But also to update us on the NBA playoffs. If you haven't been watching basketball in May and into June, you need to be doing so this year. The basketball has been awesome. But that is it. That is all the facts I have for episode 103 of the podcast, y'all. Thank you so much for listening all the way through. And remember that if you liked all the facts that we had on this week's podcast, remember to follow this podcast, download this episode, episode 103, rate and review the podcast. Then check us out on all the socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, at Zader's Facts, that is Zader with a Z. And most importantly, remember to tell all your friends, spread the facts, Xander's Facts Podcast. Tell all your friends about the podcast, about the newsletter, Xander's Weekend Facts, Xander's Facts on YouTube. Go check out our YouTube channel because all our new episodes get posted on YouTube with a nice background. Subscribe. You can watch. It's so nice. And then check out the Xander's Facts link tree because it has all the Xander's Facts links that you need. The Xander's Facts link tree, which is linked in this episode's description as well. Check out all the links in the episode's description because they've got so many facts that's going to blow your mind. It's going to make your head spin. We're, we're winning. You're never going to get tired of winning because we're winning with lots of facts. There you go. That is episode 103 of the podcast. Episode 104 is coming up next week. Not definitive yet what we're going to talk about, but I can tell you 
It is going to be something very factual that you are going to want to listen to. So make sure you remind yourself next Wednesday, May 10th, to listen to download to episode 104 of the Zaders Facts podcast. But that is it. That is a wrap on episode 103 of the Zaders Facts podcast. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see y'all with episode 104 next week. Get off my plane.